What if I told you that you can support your blood pressure and healthy CoQ10 levels with two chews a day? The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. That's like getting CoQ10 for free. Our powerful blend of beetroot, grapeseed extract, and CoQ10 supports your cardiovascular health. Visit RadioBeats.com and find out how you can get a free 30-day supply on bundles and save 15% with the promo code DEAL. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to year two of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a refreshing and captivating interview with top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. From Matty Olchek to Bob Costas, Mike North to Pat Foley, they reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories, some you've never heard before. I'm George Hoffman, and please make sure you subscribe to Tell Me a Story I Don't Know on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is sponsored by Vienna Beef, makers of Chicago's hot dogs since 1893. Find them on the web at viennabeef.com. And by Dynamic Manufacturing, awarded the General Motors Supplier of the Year 23 times. Honor the legacy, pioneer the future. Visit them at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is also sponsored by Serenow Law Group, top-notch pros in reducing your rising real estate taxes. They're on the web at serenow.com. This week, we feature part two with a historic figure in Chicago sports radio, Mike North. And I know people that told me that they made the money they made because of the historic contract I signed with Dan Mason. When in the middle of the day, I told the only day I ever missed at the score, I was in Potomac, Maryland with Dan Mason. After they lost Howard Stern and Jonathan Brandmeier, I made the calculated decision Will they lose me? I don't think they want them. And I went there and I got the money and people held a grudge from that point on because of the amount of money I made. There are a lot of moving parts to Mike North, from vendor to city worker to the highest paid player in sports talk radio, to Webio, a concept funded by a Ponzi scheme artist. North has survived and is still thriving. In part two, he discusses his close relationship with Walter Payton. How he paid Jesse Rogers, now with ESPN, a bonus to book guests, his longtime wife and partner BB, and how he quit drinking cold turkey. The score employed some big name guests who were regulars, and they included Mike Ditka, Doug Collins, who was very, very good, and then there was the legendary Walter Payton. You developed quite a relationship with him. He did my TV show. We did a show from Pasta Pasta. We did a show from Hollywood Casino. We won a couple Emmys, partially because of the guests that we had. I brought in people. I'm Jesse Rogers and John Shakey Suntress, who everybody knows should be in radio today. The guy's an absolute genius. Uh, Jeff Schwartz, my wife, Bebe, never produced before, won an Emmy for production on certain things. It was unbelievable. And to befriend a guy that I'll never forget, I went to his first game against the Colts 
He had eight carries for no yards. And my buddy Johnny O'Malley looks at me and he goes, this is your superstar? I go, <laughs> I go, you wait. That's what I said. Once again, just like Jordan, I never dreamt he was going to turn into this. And then to actually be able to do shows with my heroes, Dick Butkus and Gail Sayers and Walter Payton, and I became buddies. And I'll never forget, this was the honest to God truth. Bibi says to me, as everybody don't know my wife, she's an angel. She says, you know what? We got to get Walter something for the show. Because we used to buy presents for everybody at the score. Everybody. We'd give cards out or whatever. Cookies. Whatever we had to do, we did to make everybody part of. We wanted to. We appreciated everybody. And Walter, he got me a humidor when I smoked cigars. And BB at that time was saying, we got to get him something anyway. Before that, he even gave me something. And what was great is we got him, I believe, a pen set, you know. I'm trying to remember something really cool. And he left the dais at Carlucci's in Rosemont during the show and walked over and gave BB a kiss. And he says, you know what? Hardly anybody gives me anything. I appreciate it. And then walked back on the show. And that's how good a friend we were friends from that point on. Then came... November 1st, 1999. He was sweetness. He was light on his feet. He was the numbers say the greatest runner in NFL history. And tonight, Walter Payton is gone. I had the unenviable task of relating the news to our listeners. It was inevitable. We all knew it was going to happen. But when the word came, it was still a shock. I came in the studio, took a big gulp, told everyone Walter had died, and walked right out. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what happened there. I get a call in the morning. Now, I had been hearing stuff. I think the first, the first thing that I noticed, and, and, and if you've ever seen the clip, it was uh, he wanted to announce it on the Walter Payton show with the Monsters. I noticed about a, a, a loss of weight about, about two months into the show. And then he was wearing sunglasses one day. And I was sitting on his right side. So he's sitting right next to me, George. And I look at him, and I could see through his sunglasses, indoors, there's a space. You know how that space is. His eye was yellow, the one eye I saw. So I knew something wasn't right. Then he told me one day, and Jiggs was there, I'm not feeling all that good. And I said, well, you know what? I got a guy, a doctor. I said, you go see him. Nah. He goes, it's got to be more private than that. After, after the show one day. And that, that's the last time we talked to, to him about it. And then I think that's when he went to the Mayo Clinic or somewhere and found out about it. And then he made the announcement of his <laughs> disease mm -hmm. in a live broadcast with you and Jiggs. Yeah, it was tough. That was a tough broadcast. To the people that really care about me, to the, to the people that really care about me, just continue to pray. And for those... We're going to say what they want to say. May God be with you also. I mean, you know, guys telling you he's dying. And there have been taken, there have been people that were taking shots. I'll leave them out of it. You know, that were making comments about his loss of weight and everything else. And so didn't say nothing. And then I get a call in the morning. I think it was from Jeff Schwartz. He goes, listen, there's going to be a big announcement on your show. Get down there. I go, I'm always down there early. You know me, George. I never missed a day on the score. I said, I'll be down there. I'll come ready to play. 
I sort of had a feeling that was maybe he has to step away. I didn't have any idea about this. And that was tough. That was tough because all of us, Jigs and me, him, we had a good, we were a good team. We were a good team. We had a good, lot of fun. He had fun. I mean, I'll tell you about him. He's a jokester. So I used to read commercials. I used to read commercials and he'd move my mic while I was reading them on location. So one day I I pulled two jokes on him. One he liked and one he didn't. I had my buddy Louie and we were in the uh, Woodfield. And we were at a place called Vinny's with Walter Payton. And I said, when Walter Payton comes through and parks his car, rip his plates off. Okay. So he took, yeah. So we're doing this show (laughs) and my buddy walks in with the license plate, WP34. Walter don't know who he is. He's got my license plate. I go, hey, he's a buddy of ours. We were just having fun. So he liked that joke. But then he hosted the score golf tournament with me and I think Jigs and, and I had my brother and some buddies come down and they pull up in the van. I go, Walter, there was a giant presentation coming in this van here. Six guys that want to just embrace you. Oh, that's great, Mike. That's great. I go, yep, let's wait. Tino Antonacci pulls up from Basta Pasta mm-hmm. with five other guys to jump out with Barry Sanders jerseys, okay? Oh. Two jump out with Emmett Smith jerseys, okay? I believe the other two was Sayers jerseys. Let me tell you something. <laughs> he did not talk to me the whole day. Wow. <laughs> he did not like that joke one little. He goes, that's wrong, man. That's wrong, Mike. That's wrong, Mike. And he walked off mad. I'll never forget it. Your first producer, was Abby Polanski, and that didn't work out. So nine months later, you get a guy named Jesse Rogers, who we all know has become a great success in his own right. We both love him like a brother. Yeah, Well-deserved, wonderful person. He was very bold like yourself, albeit with a little bit of a lower-key personality. Jesse booked guests everywhere. He's the greatest sports producer, in my opinion, that ever lived, period. He got Bill Clinton on the air. He followed Jack Nicholson into the men's washroom. Okay. (laughs) I mean, Mr. Nicholson. (laughs) Mr. Nicholson. Are you here? I I used to offer bounties. I used to get people raises. I did whatever I could for anybody that worked there. I tried all the time for George. I said, everybody's got to be making more money. We got to share the pot here. But Jesse was special. I go, this guy. I said, he's got stones of steel. But every so often, I'd set a bounty. He did fail on one. I used to give him a bounty, 500 bucks. At that time, in the 90s. A lot of money. I go, listen, you get this guy, you get money. You get this guy, 200. I'd go by how difficult they were. (laughs) Okay? I go, you get me Bobby Knight. Now, from what I understand, Bobby Knight, we used to play that tape, and Bobby Knight couldn't stand it. Yeah, oh, you played it a lot. I mean, if you're not going to recover Greg Graham, if you're just going to let him drive by it, if the rest of you are going to let him catch the ball outside the three-second lane and drive all the way in here without one guy challenging him, then I'm leaving, and you fucking guys will run till you can't even suffer. Now, I'm tired of this shit. I'm sick and fucking tired of an 8-10 record. And Bobby Knight knew who was playing it. And fellow 
what I call rats in the business would tell Bobby Knight that this guy is playing you uh, with this stuff at Purdue, this tape that I got from other people. So Jesse, I go, I'll give you 500 bucks if you get Bobby Knight on the phone. All right. <laughs> he, they're playing Indiana, Indiana's playing Northwestern at McGraw Hall. Here comes the bus. <laughs> After the game, Jesse already asked Bobby Knight, hey, you want to come on with the Monsters here in Chicago? I'm Jesse Rogers. He's leaving the names out of this. Come on on. And Bobby Knight goes, no, I'm not doing any Chicago radio. He did some guys, but not, not that, that station. I'm not doing that station, blah, 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 which happened to a lot. I'm not doing that station. Yeah, but the hosts love you. Oh, yeah, well, I'm not doing that station. So Jesse follows him out of the, 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 the of McGraw Hall. Jesse goes on the, follows him up the Indiana bus, into the bus mm. with the whole team sitting there. <laughs> and Bobby Knight turns around to sit in the first seat like they do on the right. And there's Jesse staring at him. He got thrown off that bus so fast, but <laughs> he did not get the bounty on that. But uh, I think there's two guys we didn't get. We couldn't swing DiMaggio and we couldn't swing Bobby Knight, but we got Mantle on. We got Ted Williams on. We got Yogi Berra on. I mean, that's, that's the way Je I told Jesse, you got to be the best. You can't just go with the usual. We have to get big guests. Tom Glavin. Guys like that. That day is gone. You Nobody given worked him. harder than our guys. And Judd Surratt was good. And they, they'd actually almost have fist fights. Yeah. Because the, the shows were in more competition. Because we had no competition in Chicago back then. We didn't. I don't care. We were the street talk. Talk of the street. But... The shows had competition, which made the station better. You should have given Jesse $500 just for getting thrown off the bus. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, don't worry. Don't worry about him. He made out well. And no, you know what? Yeah. He deserves everything he gets. Me and BB. Well, he's the best friend I've ever had in the business. And I've had, I have some friends. But he's a guy. Uh, he's, he, him and me are go-to-our-grave guys with stories. In other words, we'll go to our grave on, on things. That's just the way me and him. Were, uh, and and I, it, it's really great to see a guy in a business filled with people that like to talk, you know, uh, that, that is good at, at what he's done. I think it served him well. I think he's a wonderful guy. What can I tell you? Did you know General Motors 2021 Supplier of the Year is located in Hillside, Illinois? Dynamic Manufacturing not only remanufactures transmissions for the likes of GM, but also as a state-of-the-art facility. Its capabilities include engineering new or existing products, along with manufacturing, machining, logistics, and re-energizing used batteries for electric cars and energy storage systems. I've seen their operation firsthand, and their nearly 1 million square feet of operating space is extremely impressive. Dynamic was founded by the late, great John Partipillo in 1955 and is still family-owned and operated by the next generation. For more information about Dynamic Manufacturing, visit their website at dynamicmanufacturinginc.com. Dynamic Manufacturing. Honor the legacy. Pioneer the future.
The easiest way to hear more great guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is to follow me on social media at George Hoffman. That's O-F-M-A-N, just one F, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And please subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. We return with Mike North on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. There are a lot of gimmicks during the course of your shows on The Score, and there are also a pretty good share of parodies. I'm Caucasian man. Who likes Barry Como? Only drinks the can. Who has a vertical leap of an inch and a half? Caucasian man. I go and I see all the remotes we're doing. And I said to Danny Lee and Ron Gleason first, how come we're not doing any remotes in black areas? And Gleason goes, yeah. I go, why don't we do remotes in the black areas? And I went on the air about it. I never went. You know what the key key to me was (laughs) that I was real. I loved everybody. Of all persuasions, I used to hang out in 35th and stay in an all-black nightclub called The Click. Nick Anderson was a buddy of mine. Yeah. A lot of people came in that I knew. And here comes Pasty in a Mustang convertible pulling up behind a, a Bentley that, sh- that, that, that Shaq was driving. And he was in there. I used to hang out there all the time. Good times. I never went on the road trips you got to take. And there are a lot of them. And I know there are stories to tell about some of them, like traveling with the Bulls during their championship years and a trip to London. The Bulls championships were unbelievable. They were just great. We stayed at the same, sometimes the same places. In Miami, we stayed at the same place. Drank with Johnny Red Kerr, Tom Dore, Bill Weddington. I mean, I'll never forget drinking beer for beer for him. And then he kept going, you know? Great guy. I loved it. Playing, I mean, to actually travel with these guys. But it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable sometimes. For me. Was it, why was it uncomfortable? Well, they'd see me. And they knew who I was. Rodman loved me. Michael liked me as much as Michael can like anybody, you know. Yeah. Um, I thought. But Michael's, I think, untrusting of people. Scotty couldn't stand me. Steve Kerr was a great guy. Steve Kerr, let me let me mention, Steve Kerr used to come on the station a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, he didn't come out as much as his wife Margot did. They were very popular. Well, what happened with Margot was, well, I'll never forget, we're, at, we're in Seattle. And I get these seats up in the nosebleed from the Bulls. And there's this very attractive woman sitting right next to us. There's like three, four of us. We're sitting there. So I go, are you a Bulls fan? And she goes... Oh, yeah, I'm a Bulls fan. I'm married to one. I go, who? She goes, Steve Kerr. I go, and you're sitting up here? Because that's where they put the press on everybody. That's the seats they gave her. So she was way up uh, up there. We started talking. We became good friends. She came on. Steve came on. And uh, good guy. Really good guy. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, things have changed for him. I know that he's more under the spotlight because he's gone political at times. And that's what everybody does eventually in certain times that they have any kind of pull. Uh, so, so you know what, but what he did at Golden State is phenomenal. And what Steph Curry did is phenomenal. There was a place that we would go to for parties 
It was called Happy Land. It's where you and B lived for many years, scene of an enormous amount of parties. What I saw then was a happy-go-lucky guy who drank more than a fish in water. I was stunned by your capacity. Mm -hmm. But one day, you went cold turkey. When and why? That's a good question. I'll tell you what. What happened was I'm 54 years old at the time. I'm pounding away. I'm starting to get to the point. Now, I drank champagne, gin, vodka. I mean, there used to be bets on me at certain places that he won't be on the air tomorrow. Are you kidding me? My father told me, if you can't make it to work, you're a weakling. No matter what the circumstances, you go to work every day if you can. So there were days I couldn't even get up hardly. And BB would get Pedialyte out back in the day. Now it's amazing. Pedialyte they have for adults now. Isn't this amazing? Well, BB knew it was a baby formula. And to tell you that this was a new concept back then, Brian Urlacher told me that he adopted it because he heard me say about talk about it. I'd come on the uh, get up hung over as a bear, maybe sometimes not feeling all that well. She'd get me a couple bottles of Pedialyte, boom. I'd go to work like it was nobody's business, but it became part of my act. Sometimes you become a little bit over exuberant. You become the act like Harry Carey. I think Harry Carey became more, I, I almost patterned myself after Harry. Hey, last night, I mean, it'd be the fifth inning. Bags loaded, <laughs> two off. Here's the pitch, ball on. By the way, at Kelly Mandelli's last <laughs> night. And then I went to the Hoxie Totsy Yacht Club <laughs> off of Dimension. And then I sat on a curb for five hours and and, and Dutchie came and got me and my jacket got lost. Anyway, here's the pitch. I mean, <laughs> I'd like to know the number of games I was really blind. <laughs> hey Harry, I out talk- of my mind, you know, I to keep my eyes open. That's what I did. I said, "Yeah, I was out last night. I went to Gibson's, then I went to the hottest nightclub going Jilly's, which, I mean, my God, was the greatest nightclub ever. I mean, everybody went there. The NBA coaches, Ditka, Shaq, all everybody, uh, Pippin, everybody, and uh, one of the great nightclubs, the Caruso's. God bless, but." I'm with a guy named Ira Rosenblum who owned a car dealership. Great guy. Nice guy. And uh, we went out drinking one night. And I get a call the next morning. We were at Tavern on Rush. And I get a call the next morning that he passed out. uh, He passed away in his sleep. Well, my doctor had told me, if you drink into your 60s, you won't make it to 70. Everybody that makes it to 70 or above quits in their 50s. That's what he told me. And I've been with Serge, Dr. Serge, as you heard. He used to come on the show. I knew him. for He's been my doctor now. And he told me that. So then I come home from the services. And I told B, I'm quitting. Cold turkey. I can't I can't have take a chance like this. I, I love living. I want to continue. I want to have a career. I want to continue to do what we're doing. I love you, blah, blah, blah. And I quit that day. And I never looked back, but it was, there was some hard times, but I, I, I never went to meetings or nothing like that. Uh, Tommy Lasorda, who I knew very well, used to tell me, Mike, if uh, you can't control what's in your mouth, 
And, and to me, that's not a disease. Now, you may disagree with him, but he said it's all about willpower. And he struck a chord with me on that, and I adopted his way. And, you know, when you have people that love you, you know, I didn't Jones or anything. I just tried to put it out of my mind to start working out more and stuff like that. And here I am. I'm 69 years old and uh, still doing radio that's relevant in Chicago. Would you like to save money? <laughs> Who wouldn't? How about saving money on your real estate taxes? I have and did so thanks to Serenal Law Group, accomplished professionals ready to put money back in your pocket. All Chicago properties were reassessed by the Cook County Assessor's Office, and some of you got eye-opening increases. Serenal Law Group has the ability to lower that. The deadline to file your 2021 appeal is 30 days after your township opens for appeals at the Board of Review, so don't waste a minute contacting Serenal Law Group so you can save. There are no fees, so you don't have to pay a dime unless they save you money. And take it from me, they've saved me thousands. And they do it in a professional and friendly manner that makes your life a whole lot easier. Serenal Law Group handles appeals throughout the greater Chicagoland area from residential, commercial, or industrial property. They're ready to fight on your behalf, so you don't pay more than your fair share. Visit their website, serenow.com, that's S-A-R-A-N-O-W, or call them at 312-373-0015. Mention promo code OFFMAN, that's O-F-M-A-N, to get a discounted fee on your 2021 property tax appeal. Contact Serenow Law Group, S-A-R-A-N-O-W, and start saving. You made a lot of money at the score. You were the oh. highest paid guy in this industry, matter of fact, when you did a, what I would call an end around from Rod Zimmerman, who was running CBS at that time. But in 2008, you were given a contract offer. Uh -huh. You declined it and you left. Do you have any regrets? No, no. I mean, did I think I should be on the air over a certain amount of time? I thought, Look, I talked to six program directors. I didn't have no representation. I'd be with Jeff Schwartz sometimes. I'd go, let's go see this guy, see if they need anybody. Just, you know, once a year, pick a different guy out. Well, they were all pro five or six are gone. Um, so I understood early on that not only do you piss people off in the industry, you piss people off outside of the industry, political figures, what have you. And you know what? I had a good run. I'm not going to take half the money that I made. I was making at that time 1.5, and I was told I'm going to take a pay cut to 750,000. Now everybody, now some people told me I was out of my mind, but I had money. I had money because I said if I take that pay cut, okay, then it's going to affect everybody else. And I know people that told me that they made the money they made because of the historic contract I signed with Dan Mason when in the middle of the day I told the only day I ever missed it to score I was in Potomac Maryland with Dan Mason after they lost Howard Stern and Jonathan Brandmeier I made the calculated decision will they lose me I don't think they want them. and I went there and I got the money and people held a grudge from that point on because of the amount of money I made that's just too bad. I outsmarted, I outsmarted the smart guys. They wanted, I asked agents, George, I go, how much do you think I can make? They said a million. I won't mention the name. Some of them are still active and they're dumber than a box of rocks. <laughs> I go home to be. 
I go, book me a flight to Potomac, Maryland. Potomac, Maryland. That, she goes, who's there? I go, the president, Dan Mason. He's there. I fly in early evening. I stay at the embassy suites across the river. I'm talking to B, plotting at the, in the evening. I went and sat in the lobby of CBS. The lady goes, can I help you? I go, yeah, my name's Mike North. She goes, do you have an appointment? I go, no. Who are you here to see? I go, Dan Mason. She goes, well, he won't be in for half an hour. I go, I'll wait. He shows up. He goes, Mike, after I introduce myself, what are you doing here? I go, I got a little bit of a problem. There's a middleman here, people in the middle. I said, I thought I'd come to see you. And he said, what do you want? And we cut the deal in four hours. Highest ever for anybody. I heard Chris Russo wasn't happy and other people. So that's what I heard. That doesn't mean he wasn't, but it's a very envious business. It really is. And I probably would have been envious too. My God, but don't let jealousy be the cancer that kills you. That's all. There are so many highlights from Mike North's career at The Score, but here are two more of them. One with the beloved Doug Buffone and the not-so-beloved Pat Riley. Doug, tell us the three keys to winning football in the National Football League or in college or high school. Three keys, and these may be the three keys of life. Run the football. Yes. Stop the man with the skin of the pig. And finally, pressure the quarterback. Oh, Pat, you know what? It seems like you've done everything that you can right now, and the Bulls are just too good. Would you, if God came down tonight, if God came down tonight and said, you could win the next four games, if you shave your head, would you do it? Seriously, because it, it seems like you're overmatched. That's a hell of a question, isn't it? That's a wonderful question. Who do you work for? Who do you work for? I work for the score in Chicago. That's great. That's good. That's a hell of a question. That's good. Okay. That's a very nice question, sir. Anything else? Not long after you parted company with a score, there was the ill-fated Webio. I was part yep. of that. Tell yeah. me a story I don't know about that because it involved lots of money. Yeah. A, a, a Ponzi scheme artist who ran the company. Yeah, transpired during its short run and the final day, which I will never forget. Well, we won't either, me and B, but we understand certain things that happened. I had the idea, and I mean, I was invited to conferences on tech. Drew Hayes had me at a conference saying what you see today is what Webio was. I had the foresight to say, we were going to have more broadband. It was going to start coming into cars and everything else, which it still should. But what happened was this guy got a hold of us. He had been to many of our remotes. He basically had a rock solid reputation from the background checks we did. And there's people that do background checks now and don't have it right. He was a guy that put up a fake company called Next Step. And he basically would place medical people into positions. That was supposed to be his thing. So he says, we'd like to invest in this. So to keep his Ponzi's he's gone, he goes, I thought I'd come to the best pitch man in Chicago. I go, kidding. He goes, I'd like to get a TV show. Well, we end up getting a TV show for three hours live. 
It was great. Guys paying bills, getting everything done. He did business with a lot of the sports teams and a lot of people that we all know, George, not just us, but he wanted me to sell it. Well, what happened is, according to what we understand now, I sold it so well that they were actually getting people that wanted to be placed. And he wasn't doing that, but he had to keep the facade going. And then we find out that the FBI was tracking him later on after I sent something was wrong when one of the reasons George Offman's phone wasn't working one day. Well, I remember that because um, for those nine weeks, I had the time of my life. I was on yeah. trips to Calgary, Vancouver, Detroit, covering the Blackhawks. And everybody's and bills one... were paid. Everybody's yes, it... bills were paid, right? Right. It was a BlackBerry. And for some reason in Vancouver, it went out. I was trying to get a hold of Jay Hood. I think he was doing a show or whatever. And the rest is history. Yeah, he took over the offices of this place in Morton Grove and, and he painted them. He did, it was set, I mean, he set it up beautifully. He says, you program it. You imagine that? I said to Schwartz. I said, can we have, could we have found a guy that actually gets it? And then all of a sudden, when your phone got shut off, my, my eyebrows perked up. I go, wait a minute, something ain't right here. That's ridiculous. And then we couldn't get a hold of him. Then I found out that he was telling people that me and BB were the ones that were doing this. And everybody I know, because I understand, George, went to meet David Hernandez. Not one person told me, B, or Schwartz or anybody. And to this day, I understand why. Because we took a concept and it was going to work. And nobody believed that this guy could be crooked, yet people thought me and B were. And that's what, at first, we were going, how could everybody believe that? But then I realized, wait a minute, B, everybody's got different circumstances. This may not be good for me at the end, but I'm not going to be, begrudge anybody. But somebody should have told us. I mean, I heard some of my close people knew, and they didn't say anything. But yet, I understood. Some people had families. Some people just left radio stations and they were promised all this and now came crumbling so what we did me and b that night two nights later even after knowing this you just said b it just don't sit with me it don't sit with me what happened i don't know what we can do but we got to do it we got to invite every person over to pappy land that was involved in this business with us and we had everybody we had the best and to show you how great these guys were they are still working. Yep. They all work. Or, or they worked for a long time. Like my guy here, John Hood, they overcame. Fred Hubner, Jesse, but it took time because there was a stain at first that Tide couldn't get out. But I knew we didn't do anything wrong because the FBI never, they said they found uh, a book that I wrote about, uh, about the, you know, the year's, talking about the score that Steve Silverman wrote. The only thing they found, we were absolved, but the damage was done. And, uh, you know, there's some people still that probably, you know, will say, why didn't you see it coming? Nobody sees it coming. That's why Al Pacino's still working because he had Madoff. You know what I mean, George? Yeah. So, so we understand, but at first we couldn't believe everybody that we loved that didn't say one word to us because Hernandez said, if Mike finds out, because we found out later all this, he'll come and get me. I wish he would have. 
I wish he would have. And uh, that would have been a whole different story. But he had to try to carry on the charade. And he ended up, I don't know if he's out of jail. He's been gone for a long time. He's been gone for a long time. I just remember that last day when uh, he was addressing all of us. He yep. fired you guys. He yep. was wearing a three-piece suit. He was sweating. He was nervous. Suddenly, one of the producers came in, uh, looked at his phone. And he said, uh, there's a story here that the FBI is looking for you. He immediately stopped the meeting and he said, the meeting will adjourn after lunch a half an hour from now. And he disappeared. Said, and you were in the parking lot. I remember you were driving around. What happened was I really heard that there was going to be a meeting, but I must have come late or something because I, I was there to warn everybody. And uh, I never got there. He conned everybody at the end. He conned everybody. Uh, so I understand uh, the whole situation. But, uh, you know, what happened to me afterwards, being disparaged uh, by people without even being a chance to retort people I know uh, was, uh, you know, one of those deals. And, you know, bottom line is it's it's a it's not a, a it wasn't a good time for me, uh, but I always knew we didn't do anything. And uh, you know what? It's th- it's a long time ago. I mean, the thing that bothered me, I could see you are not. And this is where I stick up for B. I could see you guys maybe thinking Mike might have pulled something stupid, but BB, I go, you know, that's what uh, I sort of took it personally at first. But then after that, I understood, man, because there were people in trouble because of this goof. Vienna beef, two words synonymous with hot dogs. They're the home of the Chicago hot dog and an institution since 1893. If you've had a hot dog, chances are it was from Vienna. And did you know there are more locations selling Vienna in Chicago than McDonald's, Burger King, and Wendy's combined? There's nothing like biting into a juicy and delicious pure beef Vienna hot dog dragged through the garden, which includes yellow mustard, onions, relish, tomatoes, sport peppers, pickles, and some celery salt. And oh, those Polish sausages dripping with flavor. And look for the spicy smoked sausage available in your local retail stores. It includes a perfect blend of seasonings such as crushed red peppers and brown sugar, creating a bold and zesty taste. Vienna products are available in restaurants, grocery stores, and entertainment venues such as the ballparks, cups, and socks, stadiums, museums, and zoos. Plus, you can purchase them online, coast to coast at ViennaBeef.com and on Amazon. And remember, Vienna is not just hot dogs and sausages. Look for their farm makers' chili, mini bagel dogs, condiments, and classic deli meats. Take it from a guy who was weaned on, then sold Vienna products. It's the mark of excellence since 1893. Check them out at ViennaBeef.com. You grew up in Rogers Park, dropped out of Sen High School, worked for the Park District, went to the Army, eventually became a vendor. You also met B.B., a relationship that has lasted a very long time. Yeah, 47 years I've known her. 44 years we've been married. Um, the, the beauty of B.B. is she could have had her, she was the best looking girl in the neighborhood, period. That was it. It was, there was second place, third, fourth, fifth, best. And I was, she was, one of the most intelligent people got degrees and everything else. And, but she was a regular Italian girl. And uh, I almost equated to that movie. Somebody up there likes me with Paul Newman and uh, Pierre Angeli, where mm-hmm. he plays Rocky Graziano. 
and he doesn't have a brain in his head. Well, t- compared to me, I didn't have a brain in my head. We've been together a long time. Like everybody else, you have your high points, your low points. Um, we just talk about one, but we always stuck together. We know that uh, she's just a wonderful person, treats everybody with respect. I think she's regarded. She was a pioneer. You know, people tell you, you know, uh, you know, women now, are you kidding me? She was hosting at the score in 92, 93. And she was doing a good job. And uh, other people, I mean, we had all sorts of sports. People never did adopt a pet before. Guess who did it? We did. And then all of a sudden, stations started doing adopt a pet. The Bolarama. Carrie Woods got one. Nobody did the Bolaramas like we did. We started it at the score. What we did instead of golf outings, we said, why don't we have the word of celebrities are in a place in the house and they can't get away. And you had everybody from all the Bulls, Elton Brand at the time, Bob Probert, uh, you know, uh, anchors, Allison Payne at the time. And, and what they would do is everybody would bowl one game and then you'd move over. I mean, they'd move over. So you'd bowl with three celebrities. And that was my brainchild with Jeff Schwartz. And, and we brought in Evander Holyfield, the heavyweight champ of the world, bowled with us. <laughs> Jerome Bettis bowled with us. So, you know, it was, it was about... It was about fun and trying unique and different things and, and, and trying to push the envelope. And that's what I continue to do. That's, that's why I, I, you know, I'm pushing the envelope on the gambling now. So that's just the way it is. You have won countless awards in radio and TV. Mm-hmm. So what's next? Because even though you turned 70 this year, mm-hmm. there has to be a what's next. Oh, there's always a what's next. I mean, if look, look, I told B, I'll never forget this. I'll never get this gig, but my dream is to do one White Sox game. Now, Jerry Reinshore, with all his infinite wisdom, says and gives me the lamest excuse of all time. Well, you've never announced baseball before. No, I announced football. I announced basketball for DePaul. But I never announced baseball to me to do play-by-play with Ozzie Gian as the analyst one time <laughs> to show people what broadcasting, raw broadcasting is all about would be great. But that will never happen. But then I'm reminded by B that I told her I'm going to change up my act. I'm going to go into wagering but I got to win. And she looked at me like, you think you're going to win? And I did. And I won the Sun-Times thing one year with Mark Potish, great guy. Then I went on Bears Barroom, didn't lose. Then I went and I got the ESPN gig. To this day, no matter what I've done, George, BB says the cherry on the Sunday, as Fritzy used to say, mm-hmm. is, is working for ESPN, where I was the Antichrist for so many years. I asked this final question to all my guests. If not for the media business, Mike, what would you have been? I'd be at the hot dog stand. I'd probably be still doing it. My legs would be going on me because it's uh, 16 hour days, but it was something we love. We still keep in touch with a lot of our customers, a lot of the people that work for us, a lot of fun. So I'd probably be doing that. I mean, I became friends with Dick Bertillo and I saw what he did. I asked him for a sponsorship on one of my podcasts. He goes, somebody asked, you want a sponsor? Uh, 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 a podcast for a guy he says he knows you he goes i don't know nah, we don't do that stuff mike north he goes how much mm-hmm. those those are the kind of relationships i had 
I got one story I'd like I try I'd like to tell you. Sure. I called Jamel Hill. Now everybody knows who Jamel Hill is. Mm-hmm. Not exactly a family favorite, from what I understand, <laughs> in certain circles. I got the number from a high top person. Won't say who. I called her, and I know she doesn't know who I am. But I tried to tell her, you know, I worked for an all-black newspaper called the Chicago Defender Office. Mm-hmm. I'd love to do a show with Jamel Hill. I think it would be a hit. Because then you got the yin and the yang. That's gone. And I tried to explain to her. I said, will you get back to me? I don't know if she expected me to get back to her. Or, but those are the type of challenges I like, George. Instead of avoiding, you, that would be one of the hottest shows going. But she's busy. So. And maybe she'll hear about this podcast. You know. <laughs> This has been quite an experience. What a what a what a show! I, probably the second best interview I've done. The first was John Calloway back in the day. But oh, this I was love, damn good. I love John Calloway. It's oh, been, uh, it's been quite an experience, at least for the last thirty years. Thank you, Mike North, for telling me a story I don't know. My thanks to WSCR, The Score, and ESPN for those memorable highlights. And as always, a big thanks to TJ Rees for putting this podcast on the map, Will Hatzel for his fine mixing and editing, and Nick Tochi for our great graphics. And to our generous sponsors, Saranal Law Group, top-notch pros who will save you money on your real estate taxes, Dynamic Manufacturing, Honor the Legacy, Pioneer the Future, and the Vienna Beef Company, home of the iconic Chicago hot dog since 1893. Tune in next time when we present another episode of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.